Welcome to the book club that sure is not your mom's romance book club, but it is my mom's. I'm Ellen, and joining me as always is my mom. Hi, mom. How's it going? Hello, Ellen. It's great. Great. Uh, not joining us as always is author Rosie Dannon, whose new book, The Roommate, came out on September 15th, and now she's here to talk about it with us. Welcome, Rosie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. We are so excited to chat with you. And we get to have Rosie for the whole episode to talk all about the roommate and her journey into getting publishing and all that good stuff. But first, Mom, Rosie, what have you been reading and watching? (laughs) Mom, you want to go first? Yeah. Um, Well, the only thing I read this week was The Roommate. Because we had to record a little bit earlier than usual, so I didn't get another book in there. Um, But I've been watching, I just have to say, Turkish television. Yeah, we're (laughs) into Turkish dramas. I don't know if if you're aware of this, Rosie. I'm familiar. Um, Yeah, and we have a new one, and it's so good. And it was so good this week. Yeah, it really was. And Ellen and I were losing our minds, and so that happened. Yeah, so that's been the highlight of our week. Um, Rosie, how about you? What have you been reading in it you don't have to have done it this week but do you have a book that you've read recently that you want to give a shout out to or anything like that I'm actually so glad that I read three books in the last like 48 hours oh I my have, gosh I have an answer to this so when I um was getting ready for launch and also the pandemic uh was a factor I just like wasn't really reading anything new and so I didn't have a good answer to this question for so long <laughs> yeah. um but coming out of release week uh, definitely have been able to enjoy reading again, which has been such a blessing. So I got to read an arc of um, an upcoming book from Gallery. It's by uh, debut author Angie Hockman, and it's called Shipped. And it is billed as the hating game meets unhoneymooners. And that is a very perfect description. Like sometimes... Uh, I think the comps don't always like fully get what the book is about, but this is truly like if those two books had a baby, this is what would come out of it. Yeah, you see some of those comps and it's like, okay, but everybody just wants to be the hating game and the unhoneymooners. Oh, 100%. Those are big, huge books. And um, 100%. Yeah. Um, but no, it has kind of like the the hating game, coworker, sexual tension, competition thing happening. And then it's actually set on a cruise ship uh, through the Galapagos. So it has oh. the unhoneymooners kind of locale and vacation flair, if you will. Um, so that was really charming. And then in the last uh, like 24 hours, I read... Um, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm going to get the titles, but have you read Brill Harper? I, this is, I read like the, my first Brill Harper. Uh-uh. I feel like if I'm putting my Ellen hat on, this is the one where you would be like, mom, you can never read this. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but there's a lot of us. <laughs> yeah, it, it was definitely one of those. It's called All Together and I saw it recommended on Twitter, uh, like literally this morning. And yeah, it was so fun. It actually kind of has some crossover with my book in like a very surface level way, I'll say, because it is about um, a girl who becomes like college roommates with her. Uh, she ends up moving in with her best friend's older brother and his friend. Oh, that is a trope. Uh, Ellen's I thing. Love. I know. Catnip. Ellen, you got it. This book, it's a lot. Um, okay. So yeah, Brill Harper all together. And yeah, there, there's some forced proximity fun Mm. there it's very like silly and steamy which I'm so appreciating like it's 
got mm-hmm. a lot of levity along with the steam. So I really like that one. And then what was the other one called that I just read? Mm. That's, that's mom's problem. Always. Yeah. I got, I really got nothing. So let's pretend I only read two books. Um, okay. <laughs> and then the only thing I've been watching, my mom and I, whenever I'm here, um, I'm at my mom's. I was telling um, you yeah. guys before we started recording, but I'm yeah, I'm visiting with my mom, and we always watch The Great British Bake Off. So and there's uh, a new season that just came out. We are watching an old season <laughs> because oh, we okay. never we never get through them, um, yeah. and we also like never remember like which ones we watched. Um, so we're watching the season with Selassie, um, which oh, my uh-huh. mom I remember because my mom keeps trying to like figure out how to say his name and not <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we're, so that's kind of been unwinding, which has been so, it's so soothing. I haven't watched it in a minute and I forgot just like how wonderful it is to have that at the end of the day. I love that show love that so show. much. And yeah, so I was good. just telling mom yesterday because I saw that a new season was coming out and I'm like, well, there's our weekend planned. <laughs> I know, I think, um, but I think they're doing one episode at a time. Are uh, they? I think so. Oh, yeah, so. they did do that with the they last... They did it last time. Yeah, I know, they did do that. It's frustrating. But yes, you can definitely start the new season. But yeah, okay. it won't be... You'll have to Shoot. put some Turkish shows back in there to fill the rest yeah, of your will. time. We can always <laughs> Darn <do> it. <laughs> um, the the other two things that I've been watching, because I also haven't... I've only read your book, because that's all I needed, let's be honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I also... We watched the new Enola Holmes, which we thought oh, was Oh, I want cute. to watch that. It's really cute. Yeah, it's 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 kind of like more family-ish than you might think, but it was a lot of fun. Don't worry, um, and then, I'll make it not family-ish because I feel like the way that I feel about Henry Cavill is that right? he's so handsome that I want to, it makes, fills me with rage. I've never had this reaction to someone, but I, I see his stupid, perfect face and I just want to punch it. Yeah, and so that will be the journey that I'm on while watching that. I'm that's sure. the guy, the Turkish show guy. That's how I feel about him. But Henry Cavill, I've been on record as saying, like, he does not always do it for me. But uh-huh. I will say, him with a British accent way more does it for me. And, his, and that's and his real his, accent. Yeah, yeah but, and he's got his curly you know, hair and his yeah. blue eyes. And he's just super dreamy and kind of stoic in this thing. And oh, yeah, he's I very, was on board. He's very charming <laughs> in it. Yeah, but really, Millie that. Bobby, Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah, right? she's very cute. She's in it. very cute in she it, does in really it. and job. she really takes the show. So, and then the other thing I wanted to ask you if you've watched it because I feel like you might appreciate it is um, Pen Fifteen. Have you? You know, that's so funny. I have not watched it, but I was um, talking to a couple of friends in our group chat, and they were also talking about it. And I, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, I don't know what it's about. I only heard like the oh, tangential gosh. conversation around it but my fr- the way they were talking about it they were like the um secondhand embarrassment is really extreme yes. i think because they are saying that it is like kind of like how we were when we oh, were kids gosh yes I, like, it makes me want to message my, like, middle school friend and be like, you have to watch this. I can't even recommend it to people because it's so cringy mm-hmm. that it's painful. Um, and it's a little, it's very awkward sometimes. <laughs> but um, I it made me want to message my middle school friend and be like, you have to watch it because there's just so many times where I'm like, oh, my gosh, we did that same exact thing. <laughs> we were the same way. But I, I was reading your book and watching this show, and it was just, like, the most bonkers experience ever because, you know, I'm reading your book where they're very, like, 
at least Josh is very, like, sexually self-assured. <laughs> and then these 13-year-old girls who are just, like, on the outset of, you know, discovering, you know, their sexuality and things like that. It was a very interesting dichotomy. Um, but, yeah, that show is amazing. I feel like you, I mean, like I said, I can't wholeheartedly recommend it because it's called, like, a tromedy because oh my it is... Trauma, it's traumatic, but also hilarious, but it's too real, and the girls are, because they're portraying 13-year-olds starting middle school in the year 2000, and that mm-hmm. is exactly when I started middle school. I so, think so. F- yeah, so for that's me, right it's around. painful. That's what, yeah. yeah, that's what my, and these were my middle school friends that I was talking yeah. to, um, and that's what they were saying. I don't know how I would do with that, because, I mean, I love, I mean, I think there's a lot of awkward humor in The Roommate, for sure, um, yeah. and, but I, I get really secondhand embarrassed, like, yeah, for and, sure, so I'll, I'll give it a shot, I'll give it a shot, but I might, it might be too cringe, because I just, yeah. like, have too much uh, tr- I guess trauma. Like empathy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was so embarrassing in middle school, yeah. so I feel like I'm gonna see what they do and just be like, oh, t-. you know how you get yeah. those uh, like shame flashbacks when you're yes. like, sitting in your car and you're like, I did that embarrassing thing 12 <laughs> years ago and I'm feeling it all over again. No, there's so many episodes of this where I, I was telling mom, I'm like, I feel personally attacked. Like there's this whole like drama school episode where they're oh, yeah. you know, drama kids and that was me and I'm just like, no, this is, I'm getting rickets from, like, watching this. <laughs> well, and some of it's almost too cringy. I mean, some of it, yeah. I just, like, oh, I'm not sure this is my favorite show. I don't love it as much as Ellen. But um, it has some really sweet moments, too. It does, though, yeah. Like, really sweet moments. Yeah. And it's pretty cute. Give it a try. Um, yeah, I will. I'll I, report back. And it is very sex positive, even though it's, like, you know, like I said, on the outset of it. And uh, so it's it's interesting. So I think you might find some nuggets of intrigue there yes um okay so enough of that enough of that let's talk about rosie and her book um so today we're going to be talking about the roommate by rosie dannon and she's here uh this is rosie's debut novel and it's got all the praise from new york times and all your favorite authors and a kirkus starred review and it's just everywhere and like I don't want you to take feel weird about this, and you don't have to, but, like, I feel like a proud mama bear, even though, like, <laughs> but, like, every time even I see it. Even though she had nothing to do. Even though I had nothing to do with it, but Not I'm just, true. like. <laughs> you have something to do with it, which we'll talk about. Yeah, but I just feel so, like, proud of you, and it's just, I'm so excited for you, and the movie rights just got optioned, and, like, it's just been a crazy couple months for you, and we're going to talk about all that and more. Um, but, well, I guess, have the past two weeks just been crazy? Like, has it been a roller coaster ride? Yes. I would <laughs> say, like, the, yes. It, it, like, the short answer is, is definitely yes. I think, like, it's actually been, this week has been kind of a release of a lot of pressure, which has been nice, because... Mm-hmm. You just have so much, or at least I did, I should only speak from my personal experience, but I had a lot of anxiety leading up to debut. And also it's a pandemic, um, I'm sure everyone knows, but like that also (laughs) just adds this huge layer of uncertainty about, you know, how the book will perform, but also like how people will receive the book. Like I, you know, I was saying I've had a really hard time reading, like I'm very Mm -hmm. aware that that is something that people are going through and that's something I can't control at all. So it was really stressful, but this week, now that the book is out, I was also so nervous, too, about friends and family being able to read it. <laughs> um, my mom is reading it right now, but I actually, 
Oh. Like, We're going to talk about that, too. Oh, yeah. I always <laughs> knew that, um, like, facing the fears associated with that were going to be one of the biggest hurdles for me in being, like, a professional author, to be honest, just being yeah. comfortable with that level of vulnerability. Um, and I did have some kind of, like awkward cringy moments like I had a couple family members be like I read your book and then like not say anything after <laughs> and I was like oh you hated it like that was, oh but I, I got like, through yeah let's that. just drop it let's just leave it there <laughs> I could not believe it like that like a dead-eyed stare like I read your book and you're like okay um but we've gotten through that and so I feel so much more like at peace I think um yeah. And yeah, so now this week feels kind of like the most calm that I've been in 16 months since the book was announced. So yeah, but yeah, it's been um, definitely a wild journey and some highs, yeah, that I never anticipated. um, Yeah. As you were mentioning. And I was blushing. This is a podcast, so people can't know, but I was like, (laughs) definitely blushing. All the crazy stuff. It's been so cool just to even watch from the sidelines. Um, okay, so this is usually the part where I read the back cover description, but I was wondering if you can just give us a little rundown of what The Roommate is about. Yeah, sure. Um, so my log line, like the one sentence summary that I feel like I should have tattooed on my forehead at this point is (laughs) that it is about an inconvenient attraction between two unlikely roommates that sparks a plan to overthrow a porn empire. And then I go like this. I throw my arms in the air like, ta-da! <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's that's the log line. Um, Good log line. But yeah, I guess I'll do like a little... Should I do a little bit more or is that enough to keep them guessing? However, we're going we're, we're gonna to get into like some of the characters and stuff like that. So if you just want to leave it at that. Yeah, I think let's just get okay. into it. Um, well, this is also the part where I say... Mom, what did you think of the roommate? And we're going to make you just feel a little awkward right now. I know. I'll look away. <laughs> I honestly, and I mean this honestly, I really, really like this book a lot. And here's the thing. When I started reading it, and because I, I don't, I never read the back of a book. I never read a premise. I never look at anything because I don't like anything that's going to spoil anything in the story. I like to go in cold. And um, when I started reading, I thought, the guy's a porn star? I honestly thought, I don't know if I'm on board for this, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. Yes. We'll, we'll touch on <laughs> but, that. But um, I'll tell you what, by the end of the book, I was so on board. I was, uh, it was so much sweeter than I thought it would probably end up being. And I literally cried a couple times. Oh! And, um, <laughs> well, it's not hard to do. But... <laughs> <That's true. laughs> but um, it was pretty steamy, Rosie. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how mom-friendly it was, but um, it was really a, a sweet, sweet story. Yeah. Um, I loved it, and I told, I said that, and I even went back and read my initial, like, notes to you, because I've mentioned this before, but I did, like, an early beta read or whatever for like you. alpha i feel yeah. like you i think we're literally like the second or the third person to ever read any yeah. draft of this i think so. you were getting ready to like send it to agencies and stuff like that and you wanted some yes. final notes which in hindsight thing. is really funny because it wasn't ready for that but yes that is <laughs> correct from a timeline perspective <laughs> um and i went back and i read my notes for it just to kind of see like what i had said back then and you know things where I noticed that there were changes and um yeah my initial note was like first of all 
I loved it, um, <laughs> obviously, uh, and I just think it's so fresh and fun and has, like, a surprising amount of heart and feeling, and I also believe one of my original notes to you was, like, damn, girl, and that <laughs> note still holds, um, because damn, girl, and <laughs> it's a bit strange for me to tell you, like, how hot your book is, and it's even stranger to say that in front of my mom, but, um, and it's strange to be the mom. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you're, headphones so my mom can't hear is all. <laughs> <laughs> but your book is super hot I don't know if you're aware and um yeah it's uh yeah it's we're and we're gonna talk about that too actually when your mom gets done reading it I want her to text me and tell her how she feels about tell me how she feels about all of it because if Ellen's gonna write a book and then I have to read Ellen's book it's gonna be like freaky for me to yeah yeah, yeah I I will definitely I'll, I'll report to my mom. So, mom, um, Ellen's mom was saying <laughs> that when you finish reading the book, she wants you to text her <laughs> so she can hear what you said. Um, but I, yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Um, and I'll leave it at that. Well, okay, here's, actually, no, I will say something because I really, like I said, this has been something that I have worried about. Um, the way that I try to explain it to people who aren't romance authors writing sex scenes for public consumption is just think about like the amount of people that you would be willing to have like a frank and open conversation about sex with and that that group of people probably doesn't include like your immediate family members it probably doesn't include like your dentist and like the mailman and stuff and at least for me, when I think about being a romance writer, it's kind of like that. You're like, not that obviously those experiences in the book, like they're fiction, they're not reflective of my life, but people read into it. You know what I mean? And they, mm-hmm. they think about that um, sometimes because I know because they say things to me. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, that is when I talk about like an exercise in vulnerability, that's like what it feels like for me. But yeah. I, again, the whole book is about not being ashamed of that and right. like not letting your parents expectations or society's expectations define you mm-hmm. so anytime I get like uncomfortable thinking about it I just remind myself like I wrote this book so that I could take away some of that lesson about shedding shame and then I just kind of like try to sit up straighter in my chair and like act like a grown-up because I am a grown-up <laughs> yeah yeah but you know there's something about having a mom that uh you know, somewhat makes you feel less like a girl. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a biological thing, I think. And, yeah. you know, they had to have sex to make us. So yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, that's what people, that's what when people say all the time, well, it's like, well, you know that, you know, your mom, and I'm like, yeah, I know, but I don't want to think about that too <laughs> right, much. Right, right. So. <laughs> but I'm more than willing to talk to her about it. <laughs> yeah, that's where... That's the conceit of the podcast, I guess. Um, Okay, so we usually start by talking about the heroine. So let's talk about Clara. She's a trust fund kid from Greenwich who is impulsively moves to L.A. to sort of follow a boy. And I don't want to call her a prude because she's not, but she's a little more straight-laced and, like, maybe a little more type A. And she comes from a family where appearances are obviously everything right Mm -hmm. um so what can you tell us about her origins and you know uh what makes her a good match for josh and if it was kind of like if she was i guess it's like chicken before the egg like did you come up with him first and then 
you know, wanted to come up with a good foil to him? Or was it the opposite? Or, you know, how did that all come about? Um, Really good questions. So I think it's kind of a couple of things happening at once to get to her origin. So Mm -hmm. um, the first thing that I've talked about is just being a lifelong romance reader and being really attracted to the tropes and the archetypes that I gravitated towards. So um, and I so I'm a big historical reader. And one of my favorite tropes is lessons in seduction between a rake and a blue stocking. Um, and so I, when I was thinking about like, oh, I want to write a romance novel, I think I was naturally attracted to those archetypes and that trope. But obviously, if you're putting that in a modern setting, you have to make updates, right? So um, in the traditional trope, which, you know, we see a lot in Regency, it's very much about the hero defining what pleasure looks like for the heroine and you know it's romance so it still tends to be pretty positive and equal opportunity if you will but it's still very much like him guiding her and framing what her experience is going to be whereas when I knew I wanted to do that in a modern setting it was going to be more about the heroine's agency and her driving her own journey and the hero's there to support her and you know (laughs) facilitate as needed um but at the same time it really is like a story of of her own journey and empowerment and then ultimately um, her kind of quest, if you will, to make sex education um, and resources available at scale is something that she feels passionate about once she kind of learns what she didn't know. Um, and a sex education that, like, it's not not your mama's sex education, right? Not right, not right. A, not the sex education that gets taught in schools, but more, um, you know, women learning how to take care of themselves a little bit and have and instruct their partner on how to do the same and um yeah it's a aspect seeking the pleasure that they deserve yeah and it's an aspect that doesn't get talked about a lot especially um I think it's I think we're headed in the right direction in that respect um but yeah I I appreciated that about her journey yeah because it is very much like the way sex education like so much else in this country is defined by like the dominant power right so like cis heterosexual white men and they're unlike what is pleasurable for them and so um yeah that was definitely a part of it and then in terms of so that was kind of like how I started thinking about the tropes but then um certainly there are things that are like designed about Clara and Josh to like complement and or contrast one another um So I I don't know that I actually came up with like one character before the other because I really came up with the scene in my head um, of like when you find out your roommate is a porn star, what is like the first thing any of us would do? We would all do it. You open a private browsing window and you Google. Um, And so I always just thought about how the conversation that could come out of him walking in on her doing that and how that could lead to a story. So... Yeah, I feel like I can't imagine sort of, like, one of them without the other. Um, But certainly, like, I think a lot of the comedy moments come from Clara, actually, because or her reactions to Josh and being uncomfortable. Like, I think the one kind of comedy that I know how to do is, like, an awkward, uncomfortable (laughs) comedy. (laughs) As we were speaking of earlier. Yeah, exactly. That's my favorite kind, too. I I think that is the kind that does best in romance novels, too, just because... 
so much of romance can be inherently like awkward and and weird sometimes. <laughs> that's, that's true. Yeah, real life romance is at least mine is very yeah. awkward. So. No, I'm with you, girl. Um, and yeah, I think for me, what I love the most about Clara is that she goes on as much of a journey, if not kind of more so than Josh. And, you know, you kind of go into a book about a porn star thinking that, like, he's going to do the most to change. But if anything, like, I kind of think she does she absolutely more. more yeah, I ways. think I think you're right. She has more of a journey there. Yeah. Um, okay, now let's talk about Josh, who we've we've touched on a bit. Hmm. But um, yeah, we'd like to touch on yeah. Josh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would assume that, like, you know, you you said the original scene conceit was, you know, finding out that your roommate was a porn star. What's the first thing you're gonna do? Um, so, what is it about that that made you kind of want to write a story, and about Josh that made you want to write his story? I guess. Yeah, I mean, again, I think it was just about evolving those historical archetypes. And so when you Mm -hmm. think about the rake in a historical romance, it's an experienced, confident, charming kind of man. And um, that's why he makes such a good foil for a blue stocking, like looking to learn. And so Mm -hmm. um, obviously a porn star is a bit non-traditional um but I think you can kind of see how the archetype is evolved there Mm -hmm. um and then so once I knew kind of that that occupation would suit the narrative that I was interested in it became really important to develop a character that would define I think a lot of readers or defy excuse me a lot of readers expectations about an adult entertainer so Mm -hmm. um I didn't want to be upholding stereotypes. Um, I really wanted a character that readers could be comfortable with. Um, It's kind of tricky because on the one hand, like, I don't, I didn't want to, like, water it down. It's not, like, about Mm -hmm. making adult performers palatable because, like, I'm not interested in that. It was more about, because I obviously, like, believe that they're all palatable and it's more about, like, the the people that bring their own prejudice into the situation. Um, So it was more just how could I help readers to challenge their own potential biases going into the narrative. Um, And I also just wanted, like, a fun, light story. Um, And so I think, like, Josh helps Clara get out of her own head and... Um, I love, I think there's a lot of like brightness to his character. I think of him kind of like sunshine sometimes. So, um, all of that kind of defines the way that he comes to life on the page. Yeah, for sure. He's really such a sweetheart. And that's like, was the consistent comment from, from our listeners too going into this episode that, um, that he really is just like such like the, the a, thing- su- a surprising, like little cinnamon roll, you know, like he's, <laughs> yeah. Um, Yeah. The thing I loved about Josh is, um, you know, he was so confident and cocky, for lack of a better term, term, um, about sex. Like, he knew knew his way around that, and he knew that. But then once he started having feelings for Clara, he, that's where he felt uncomfortable. That's where he, you know, started second-guessing himself. Yeah, it was like, you know, I'm super good at the sex, but I'm not sure how to handle the whole relationship stuff, because he really you know, fell for her and and didn't want to mess it up and couldn't get out of his own head about every little thing. And anyway, it was cute the way, you know, 
yeah, he's super confident when he's in the sex parts, but the love parts, he really, that's where he felt uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's very specifically, like, falling in love with someone like Clara. So I think, you know, when I think about his relationship with Naomi, who's, like, the ex-girlfriend character in the book, um, I think, like, Josh was always a lot more open to, like, being in love and having that relationship with her. But Clara is very, like, unlike anyone that he's ever even gotten to know on a friendship basis, I think. Obviously, she's very uptight. She comes from this super wealthy family. Um, she is very type A. So I think like a lot of the things just about her as a person, in addition to kind of the feelings that he has for her are intimidating for him. Um, you know, the socioeconomic gap, the education gap, she's got her doctorate and stuff. So, um, and also he's very kind of self-conscious, I think, even though he loves his profession and he's proud of the work that he does, he does understand that it impacts the way people see him. And he's internalized a bit of that at the beginning of the book. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, a certain sense of him not feeling worthy of her in some ways, but then also she has some feelings of that as well because, you know, she's not, quote-unquote, sexy enough or whatever, and um, kind of them... I mean, that's that's the where the communication gap, I think, mainly comes from them is just both of them not voicing feelings of feeling not right for each other. Or inadequacies. But, yeah. Um, okay. I suppose this, due to the subject material of this book, this could be a TMI question, but what was your research process like for, you know, for Josh and his world and... And do you get weird commercials on your computer now? (laughs) (laughs) I feel this is funny. Like, people, I don't know if they think this, but, like, I did not, like, watch a lot of porn as the research. That's not how research works. Yeah. Uh, Everyone. Um, But I, yeah, there's, like, a lot of, like, academic, I guess, uh, research done. So there's a lot of... um, like essays and firsthand accounts of experiences because I was always more interested in the performers experiences than I was in like the actual content coming out of the industry yeah um so yeah you can find a lot of really interesting firsthand accounts um reddit amas with performers was something that was really eye-opening because they'll get into like whatever on those um and then I actually worked with a male performer as a subject matter expert so Mm -hmm. um yeah Lane Rogers who is phenomenal and was so wonderful Um, to work with on this project and yeah he helped me kind of just go through and make sure that any you know specific details were reflective of of the industry today and things like that Um, it was really actually like validating for me and positive in the sense that um, he really like resonated with a lot of the emotional experiences that Josh was going through and the things that I got wrong that he was more like helping me edit was like I thought that and in hindsight, this is, like, very silly. You're going to laugh at me. But I, like, thought porn stars got dental insurance. And he's like, no, no. <laughs> um, he was like, that would be great. But we don't. <laughs> um, so kind of, like, more of the industry details like that. But, um, yeah, that was definitely uh, helpful. I don't think I would have been able to, like, write about the yeah, I don't know that there's a an adult entertainer uh, union or something that, that takes care of those kinds of details for them, unfortunately. Um, something I really liked about, you know, and it's not, it doesn't get like a lot of attention, but, um, kind of the part where he talks about feeling like a piece of meat a lot of times and women feel like they have permission to come up to him and 
you know, grope him or something like that. Um, and I thought that that was really important because even when I was working in casting and just living in LA, um, or just, you know, part of kind of a fandom culture, um, I think even with regular actors, like not Mm -hmm. porn actors, we tend to like objectify and that those people also get treated a bit like that, you know, where, um treated a bit like piece of meat and people have permissions like when you put yourself out there like you're automatically the publics or something like that i don't is know is this directed at me for my groping yeah. people mom did mom did grope <laughs> oh, no. people at comic-con <laughs> oh, i just hugged a couple people <laughs> yeah but. i think it's hard like the the barriers get blurred when we feel like we know someone because we've like watched yeah. them on screen or whatever and yeah um but yeah, it was important, again, to like kind of reflect that part of the experience. And I think that is relatable for people outside of that particular industry. Like the way that Josh kind of opens the door for Clara to understand his experience. He talks about, you know, you're a woman and you're in a crowded bar and some guy comes and yeah. like puts his hand on your lower back. And I feel like, unfortunately, that's something a lot of people have experienced. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even with any job, if you work in that job and then the, the regular customers that come in, you 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 know have a relationship with them because you want like you as someone who is working you want them you want to be nice and polite to them so that they come back f- with repeat business and a lot of them take that kind of friendliness as mm-hmm. you know oh, I think well, especially from women yeah like, I it's been my experience and but. you know a lot of people think oh she's so friendly she obviously wants me <laughs> 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 and you know no, I'm being friendly because that's my job. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I think people have a really hard time separating. Like, it's funny, like even just what we're talking about here, like from in Josh's case, like performance from real life, but even like we're talking about with romance authors, like there's always that like line that for some reason people have a hard time and it doesn't happen. And maybe to your point, Ellen, it is more with women because I feel like, you know, people who write murder mysteries are not getting asked, like, did you are do you a, a lot of murder? Yeah. How yeah. many murders <laughs> did you research? Like, yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I think there's definitely, like, that kind of stigma in, in certain professions that makes everything harder, unfortunately. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so probably the most important question of this episode, but how do you really feel about speed? I love speed. <laughs> Those are kind of like my true reflections on speed, unfortunately. We're talking about the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah not the drug. Oh, God. Not the drug. Uh, I, I love speed. It's a cinematic masterpiece. Um, it's incredibly romantic. I actually just did a live Twitter watch party um, with some of the Romancelandia folks. Oh, yeah. And yeah, we watched it, and I literally felt like every 30 seconds I had something. Uh, excited to say about speed because I just think it's so good from the dialogue to the non-stop like the pacing is incredible the relationship development you made me like it's been a long time since I've seen speed like I remember we went saw it at a drive-in when I was a kid and um I was like apparently I need to go rewatch speed and have you done it yet because I I want to hear when you okay you need to watch it I'll report back yeah and please report back um but that whole speed thing, I was just like, it's such a writer thing because I can't tell you how many of like my weird, passionate obsessions end <laughs> up in just either with like a brief mention or, you know, in my And we in are my action movie junkies. I mean, we... Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, because I'm also a girl who loves a superhero movie and a Regency period drama. So I'm like, I feel seen. Yes. <laughs> we exist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
um, and ketchup, is that a thing for you? Or It is not a thing for me. Um, a good friend of mine does have a ketchup aversion, and... Yeah, I was I think I I was trying to think back on like how that made it into the book and I think at the time <laughs> I just needed like a funny fear for him cuz obviously yeah. Clara's fear of driving was going to be a big plot point. So um, I did, I remember like texting her being like, "Can I put your ketchup thing in my book?" <laughs> and, <laughs> and also being like, "So what's the deal with that, by the way?" <laughs> like yeah. the fic- Josh's uh like reasoning for that is fictional because she's like, "I don't know, I can't explain it." I'm like, "Well, I'm going to have to explain it. People are going to ask me." No, but I know someone who also has a weird ketchup thing, and their thing was also, like, the vinegary-ness. And I'm like, I have never... Hmm. I realize vinegar is in there, but I've never gotten, like, a super... It's not, like, vinegar-forward, I don't think. Let me tell you about me and popsicle sticks. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's funny because... I, you know, I was telling you before we started recording that I'm I'm starting a book and it's um, a brother, it's a brother's best friend book. Mm. And I was talking, of tell- course it is. And I was telling my brother, I'm like, I want you to know, like, <laughs> I never had a crush on any of your friends. I never thought that any of them had a crush on me. And like, I just need to like, put that <laughs> out there before. But it's weird because I do draw a lot from, like, the brother-sister relationship from my own relationship with my brother. So I'm like, I just, you're going to see a lot of stuff that (laughs) seems familiar, and I just want to make it clear that... That's oh my not god, I, I can't wait until we <laughs> to discuss your brother's best friend book with your brother. That's like, you know, for me. Yeah. If, if that happens, I will have Weirdly to do that. Weirdly discussing it with his friends. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> um, okay, so we usually talk about how we feel about the conflict, but I don't want to make you get too spoiler about your own book. But I do want to ask you something about like your dark moment in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of already mentioned, touched on this a little bit, but in a book where I think people would go into it thinking that he kind of has more journey and growth that he needs to go through with their, you know, and I'm saying that as someone who probably came in with my own biases about someone who's in that porn industry and things like that. Um, but it actually ends up being her that needs to ask for more forgiveness in the end. Um, were you mindful of that when writing and, or of that perception and how did you kind of navigate that, I guess, if that makes sense? Um, I'm trying to think about kind of like the origin. I I will say like, I started writing this book around 2016, like coming out of the election. Mm -hmm. And I think that really impacted the type of romances that I wanted to write. And I just remember thinking and I even feel this way like my second book is the same way I was like not interested in writing men that were gonna hurt women really like Mm -hmm. kind of in any way (laughs) um and I just yeah so I I I think like that influenced that Josh is kind of like the cinnamon roll if you will and like Clara does have a lot more to learn in this book um I mean he definitely like has a couple things that he says to her that are sharp yes Yes, he does. Um, which yeah. I really like. I like when they have, like, a fight and somebody, like, everyone goes a little too far. That's, like, a, mm-hmm. a thing for me. Um, but I will actually say that, going back to my sensitivity reader, having him read that scene was really helpful because he was so on Josh's side. And so, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like, he really needs to tell her that she's being wrong here. I think even more than I realized initially, um, because I think I had identified a little bit more with Clara in that scenario, which I think makes sense. Um, 
so yeah, I really am grateful again, just for his support on that because I think it made that scene better. So yeah, it's kind of just me not wanting to like have to write men that are behaving in a way that de- like people need them to apologize for. Yeah. Um, I just couldn't like stomach it, I think, at that point. I, there are so many bad men. <laughs> Yeah, we watch a lot of murder shows, so yeah, there's a lot <laughs> yeah, of murder. We talk, and, no. <laughs> <laughs> and we talk a lot about how you know, I yeah, it's always men killing always, women, and it's, it's like, come on, yeah, I hate it, I hate that. <laughs> um, I will say that a lot of times we really like a book, and then at the conflict, we're like, okay, that's where they lose us. Yeah, know. Rosie, uh, Rosie knows this about <laughs> me, and so you know. I will say that your conflict, without giving too much away is really well done. And um, even though there is, like, they do kind of cut off communication and whatever, and usually that's a red flag for us. But it's glossed over pretty quick. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not dwelled on for too long. We just don't like when people turn off their phones and, like... I don't like that either. Don't talk to each other for, you know, a week or... I was madly in love with you, but now I'm... Just giving up. Yeah. Throwing it in the I'm out. I'm with you. Well, thank you. Yeah, I think, like, I really tried to have a conflict where you could see that both people, you could see both sides. I think, right. like, for, that's what I look for in a conflict is, like, I don't want to be feel like one character is 100% in the right. Um, yeah. doesn't feel as realistic to me. Yeah, for sure. Um, so this is the part where I sing, let's talk about sex, baby. And <laughs> oh, we have goodness. a lot to talk about here. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Uh, <laughs> well, actually, though, in, in defense, because it does get pretty steamy, but... When they had that first scene, and it was like at twenty percent through the book, where right. he he pushes her along, <laughs> gets her um, gives her a little nudge, yeah. <laughs> gets her to orgasm, <laughs> and um, but you know, no, she's still got her underwear on and everything. I mean, it's all yeah. done, yeah, and um, all, thought, all above the clothes. And I thought, if this is what twenty percent is, I oh, said yeah. I'm not going to make it through this book. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> it's going to kill me. Um, but, um, yeah. but then it's kind of lays low for a while. I mean, they're both, like, thinking stuff. But. Well, they do a lot before they actually, you know. Do it. Do the grand finale, which is usually the case. But they do more, I think, then. Um, but it's yeah. pretty. It's but, pretty, pretty. You know, yeah. what we say is our our favorite sex scenes are ones that are pushing along the emotional, you know, journey. Because we don't really care for sex scenes where it's just a sex scene. Well, and to, really, the they only have the scene. one sex scene. No, they have the other. They have others. They have, well, they have, of, like, penetrative sex. There's yeah. one at yeah. the yeah, end, that's too. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, but, but I mean, and the, yeah, and then they don't do it again for a while. But, but there's a lot of bumping and grinding that takes place before that. There is a lot that. of that. Um, but there's a lot to unpack with your sexy times, because there's a lot that's happening I was going to say, you got to let me have a defense of the... Yeah. yeah. No, 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 definitely. No, I will defend it for you. Um, And obviously romance novels are typically very sex positive and centered around female pleasure. I mean, we comment a lot about, like, our joke with our family is like, no, the woman always has to come first. (laughs) Like, that's... That's the rule. Sometimes um, multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but why was it important for you to kind of take that idea and really run with it, like, as being kind of the main crux of the book, I would say? Yeah. So, like, that first, like, physical interaction, you have to have it there because it drives the whole plot. It, it like, mm-hmm. drives the inspiration for the entire, like, main 
narrative structures of them yeah. creating this business. Creating the business. Yeah. yeah, I was like, I don't know how much to talk about it there. But um, so, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think it also allowed me... So that's its narrative role, like, and that's how I, you know, it had to exist for that purpose. I think it also allows me to kind of, like, disrupt um, the formula of a slow burn a little bit. Because this Mm -hmm. book, I will say, I think is a slow burn. Um, It's a high heat slow burn. Like, you're definitely, like, still uh, cranked up to, like, a a slow rolling boil, if you will. (laughs) But, um, yeah. Uh, so that, so that's that. Um, and the other reason there, there is so, cause trust me, nobody has thought about it more than me about like, <laughs> if we have to have all of those in there. It's, yes. I've thought about it more. I, I think um, they're all very necessary. Yeah. But yeah. Like each one kind of has them learning something. I, I actually think probably they each ha- learn something about themselves and each other mm-hmm. in the scene. And also a lot of them are connected to the narrative development, um, of the kind of external, uh, yeah. those business that they're building and things like that. Um, and the other thing is like, this book is about destigmatizing, um, kind of like owning your own pleasure and owning just like the education around that again, coming back to that of like seeking information and being mm-hmm. able, and really communication is super key. And, and I think you see that really evolve as our physical interactions evolve, like so much of it is about them like learning about how to make each other feel comfortable. And like, even in that early physical interaction when they don't know each other that well, it has just as much of a emotional component still in the sense that he is like helping her take down a lot of the barriers that she has, which are mainly mental. Like she doesn't have like a physical aversion Mm -hmm. there. It's really her worrying about like, is this taking too long? Is the guy just trying to get something out of it? Like you kind of see Josh slowly dismantle each of those concerns that she has, which is like what allows that to be a successful interaction. Which I think are barriers that are like much more prevalent for women, obviously. For sure. But yeah, so... Uh, so yeah, that's my like, like literary defense of them. But I also think it's like fine to not have a full literary defense of sex scenes, obviously, and romance. Like sometimes yeah. you just want to have a fun time, and yeah. I hope people, I hope people had a fun time. No, um, yeah, I don't want to get into into it, but yeah, I, I did. <laughs> Mom's feeling awkward now. Um, okay, next next question. Well, and Clara, Clara talks about the build up to a kiss being like the best part, and mm-hmm. I'm with her because the build up to the actual like full blown sex in this book is the hottest. I think like you know your full blown sex scene is very hot, but I think you know the first initial interaction and the kind of guided um, self self moment is also like I think those are your hottest moments if I were to you know so I'm with Clara on that um and I've talked a lot on here on the show about how dirty talk really works for me and this one just solidified that so uh, <laughs> I'm glad to hear it yeah I talked about how I have like soft boys like sweet cinnamon roll boys but that yeah. they they have a little bit of dirty mouth I'm covering my yeah. hands so my mom can't see <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I think especially and I've said this on the show but I think especially in a romance novel because I think even as a reader, I'm very, like, dialogue-driven. Mm-hmm. And so I think, especially when you're reading a sexy scene, like, dirty talk helps a lot as a reader for me. Just yes. saying. 
Yeah, I, I wonder, you know, I've been talking a lot about like reclaiming guilty pleasure as a phrase and how we can just yeah. like call it things that bring us pleasure and we don't have to feel guilty yep. about it. Yep. I almost wonder if like dirty talk has to be like a part of that because like, is it really dirty or like, is it just, is there like a yeah. new phrase we can, I'm going to think about that. <laughs> yeah, you think about that and then we will just publicize it, you know. Okay, great. Yeah, I'll you'll just it. get it out to the listeners. <laughs> I'll just mention it every, every time. <laughs> Um, so what was the, your swooniest moment of your own book? Like, do you have a moment in the book where every time you read it, you're just like, oh, cause sometimes I read things from my own writing and I'm just like, I forget that I'm writing it. I'm like, damn, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, that's so do you have question. a moment like that? I feel and like I have mine so hard. if, you know, if you want me to I go I feel like first. if you go though, I'll be like swayed. So I feel like yeah, I have to true. go. Um, I will say, like, I have a very tender feeling for the, like, never have I ever portion. Is that yours? Is that yours? This is mine. Oh, shit. (laughs) Um, yeah, like, they, I guess, should we talk about it? How much do we talk about it? Yeah, we can talk about it. Um, so, yeah, they're playing Never Have I Ever, which is, like, a drinking party game, if anyone is Mm -hmm. unfamiliar. And a lot of the book, when Clara is kind of getting to know Josh and his friends, who are most of them, if not all of them, are sex workers or work within the porn industry, she's very uncomfortable because uh, she's just like, um, just never had frank discussions about sex. And they're very, obviously very comfortable talking about it. And so they're having a party and they're playing Never Have I Ever. And <laughs> every single time someone says something, Clara's like, no, I've never done that one. <laughs> um, and... So she gets kind of like over embarrassed by that and goes into the kitchen. And so Josh is kind of like helping her to feel better about it. And he like is like, put up your hands. Like we're going to do a never have I ever. And he just like says like all the things that he like really cares about about her. Mm -hmm. And I think that like show and it's not just physical. I think like sometimes um, and somewhat intentionally, like a lot of the compliments he pays her like early in the book are about her feeling like confident physically because that's mm-hmm. something she has to work on. But in the Never Have I Ever Seen, he really is quite soft with her for most of it. And just talking about, like, you're somebody that is really accomplished. Like, you're somebody that's really generous with, like, not only their money, but their time. And, like, you're supporting this ragtag. You make Brussels sprouts in Oh, yeah, you fat. make Brussels sprouts <laughs> taste good. <laughs> Brussels yeah, sprouts taste good. He's just, like, appreciating her. And so I like, I like that moment. That is what I, I said... You know, obviously, besides the sexy stuff, which is very swoony, um, <laughs> but I think I think that is the sweetest moment for me uh, that stood out as like a super sweet moment. But do you have one, Mom? Um, I have several because he was pretty swoony. Um, I loved when he came to the hospital after her accident. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love that too. And I loved um, just his little uh, rant before they had sex. Like he's like. When he explains to her, you don't understand. I think this about you and this about you and this about you. And and it, that's very swoony. But I have to say, the time I teared up is when he went to talk to his mom. That's what I thought you would say. Yeah. <laughs> and I did tear up. And it was very sweet. And I loved that whole scene. And I, as mom told me, she cried in one part. And then as soon as I read that scene, I'm like, this is where mom cried. <laughs> <laughs> I'm partial to moms. What? <laughs> so sue me. Yeah. Um, okay. We have a listener question that fits in well here. Um, if she wants to know if you had, you know, especially now that the movie rights have been optioned and things like that, if you had anyone in mind physically when you were writing Clara and Josh. 
besides people that you might know or something. Oh, gosh. There's no one that I know. (laughs) (laughs) I actually have to tell you, he's going to kill me. But uh, a friend of mine, and we were, like, drinking, so he's, like, a little um, tipsy. And But he was so excited about the book. He was being really sweet. It was, like, right before it came out, he was holding it. And he was like, what part is about us? <laughs> I was like, oh, honey, no, none of this is about our friendship. And he's like, okay, but, like, maybe there's, like, little moments inspired by us. And I had to be like, no, no. Um, but, okay, physical actors. I did have some. They're very impossible. Um, and you'll see why. And I'm actually going to pull up on my phone because there's somebody recommended someone to me that I'll also tell you about. Because I, I think. Was it this person you shared on Twitter? Because Yeah. Do you remember yeah. his name? I don't, I don't know. No, I, I don't. I'm going to find his name for you um, while I tell you these other people. So oh, the see. first person that I was thinking about uh, for Clara was. Haley Atwell, who was Peggy Carter oh, in... Yes, we um, love her. Yeah, yeah, she's so lovable. So kind yeah. of like a little bit curvier. Um, and then for Josh, I really did not have someone for him. But like when Berkeley was asking me, like, who can we like kind of design the cover after? Which I, he doesn't really look like this person. So I guess they like took artistic license. Um, but I was like, oh, he's kind of like charisma wise. I think Heath Ledger... Um, kind of like 10 things I hate about you circa because what I love about that character Patrick Verona is like he's really confident but not in like a sleazy way really he just like he's just comfortable with himself and I think that's kind of how I think about Josh as well um but a reader actually messaged me about someone on Instagram that I think would be great and I'm trying to find Christian Hogue it looks like that is the name. And yeah, I just found it at the same time. Um, and I think that he's a really good fit. He's like got the blonde uh, curls. He's got the glasses in some of the photos. I won't remark about other parts of him that might be good looking. But <laughs> if you want to well, He looks like him. he's tall and he has a nice body be banging. The thing body, is, be banging. <laughs> body be banging. Yeah. <laughs> the thing about him is he... Um, he has some like sillier pictures so like there's some now I'm just like on this man's Instagram um, <laughs> but there's some where distracted. he yeah is like wearing like a floral shirt open or he's wearing like a crop top I feel like we've had a lot of conversations about how Josh would rock a crop top yeah. <laughs> um so I think it's like kind of an attitude thing more than anything yeah I I can see that for sure um and then Raquel also Raquel, Raquel asked what other tropes would you like to explore in the future? Um, good question. The one that comes to mind, which I like, don't know when I'll be ready to tackle, is like enemies to lovers. Because um, I, I really get behind that, right? But I, I want them to be mortal enemies. Like I don't, I'm not like here for like a slight misunderstanding. <laughs> yeah. Enemies, like yeah. you need to have truly like cross some. <laughs> uh uncrossable bridges so like have you i have you guys ever read the the captive prince series by c.s pact no if you like enemies to lovers you gotta read it it's just gonna like rock your world um guaranteed no i'm just kidding but i really like it (laughs) um so yes i would love to someday do an enemies to lovers but i think i'm gonna have to get over something's gonna have to change in this country for me to write a man that betrayed a woman that much (laughs) that that bad um and then anything you can tease about your follow-up the intimacy experiment and um and kind of related listener jessica wants to know if we'll see more of josh and clara in in naomi's book 
Yes, I can I can talk about both those things. So okay. the intimacy experiment is about Naomi. So she was in the first book, um, yes. Josh's ex-girlfriend. Um, and it's about her and a hot rabbi named Ethan. And they basically write a seminar series. So they write a syllabus for modern intimacy and what that can look like. And then they use that to fall in love. Woo! Of course. Um, so that's like the log line for that one. Um the if you want like a longer description it's up on goodreads and it's up on the penguin random house site um but it's really fun it's got this uh, it's got a lot of kind of the core roots of the roommate while being a very different book but i somebody was asking on twitter like what are common themes in your books and mine are like entrepreneurialism as foreplay (laughs) (laughs) so that is in there again um and then in terms of whether Josh and Claire will be in it, yes, they are in it. Um, and I guess that's all I'll say on that one because I don't want to spoil that. But yes, you will get some appearances. I figured. Um, and I related to that, I really like the character of Naomi and how she she could easily fall into the bitchy ex-girlfriend, you know, as is usually the case. Um, but that you really like her and um, that she's never kind of vindictive or and she's actually kind of I mean she she wants them to not get together because it'll ruin business relationships yeah (laughs) yeah but which understandable um but then I did love her when they were in the radio show and she's like you better kiss her (laughs) (laughs) yeah she's a real softy like under her sort of like layers of prickliness um and I think yeah was kind of rooting for them all along yeah, so I'm excited to to read about her and her, you know, HEA. Um, okay, I think that's all we're going to talk about for The Roommate, but okay. we're going to keep you on, right? And, yes. And talk, talk some more. Writing journey. Yes. Um, so those are our thoughts uh, and Rosie's thoughts on her book, <laughs> The Roommate. We would love to hear more from you on our Facebook page, our Facebook group, which is Not Your Mom's Facebook group, our Goodreads group, our Twitter, which is Not Your Mom's, our Twitter and our Instagram, which are both at Not Your Mom's Rom, or you can email us at Not Your Mom's Romance Book Club at gmail.com. So if you want to read along with us and email us with your thoughts, or if you'd like to suggest a book for us to read, we'd love to hear from you. On October 5th, we will be discussing You Deserve Each Other by Sarah Hogel. Um, For now, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll be talking more with Rosie about her love of romance and her experience on getting published. So stay with us. Hi, I'm Elle Penelope, and I'm an author of epic fantasy and paranormal romance. My podcast, My Imaginary Friends, is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. On the show, I give you, dear listener, a weekly look behind the scenes of my life writing and publishing books. I talk about creativity, inspiration, writing routines, this week's best thing, and more. One reviewer said, it's like sitting down with a writer friend to have coffee and discuss all the writerly things. So if you're an established or an aspiring writer, or a reader who always wanted a peek into an author's life, please check it out. New episodes post on Mondays, and you can find me at myimaginaryfriendsshow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Uh, So we just wanted to hang out some more with Rosie, uh, so we made her stick around a bit. 
But uh, Rosie also has a really interesting story about how her book got discovered and published, so I wanted her to stick around for that. Um, Before we get into that, though, I love to hear from people who come on the show about how they got into romance. Like, have you been a lifelong reader? Or were you more of a late bloomer like mom? And, you know, what was your first foray? That kind of stuff. Yes. Um, Definitely a lifelong romance reader. Um, I feel like even... I've always just been like, is there a love story in this? If so, I'm in. Is there not (laughs) a love story in this? I'm out. (laughs) Yes, that is. Uh, It's so so hard for me to, I don't even know that I do consume media that doesn't have love stories in it unless it's like someone's forcing me to. Like even, I guess like for my work or something, I don't know. Um, But yeah, I've just always thought that that was just the most captivating, like enjoyable part of the human experience. Um. I did not start to think about writing. Well, actually, not true. I kind of have always thought about writing, I think. Um, I feel like it sounds so annoying when (laughs) writers say that, though. Uh, But whatever, I did it. Um, But I, you know, I I was always, like, into English, like, in school and stuff and Mm -hmm. and writing in that capacity. And I was editor-in-chief of my high school newspaper, like, Nerd Alert. Were you too? You're giving me a look. I was on, I was, I was an editor, like a features editor. Yeah. Uh, for the school newspaper. <laughs> so there's that. And then, um, I almost studied journalism, which obviously like is a capacity of writing. Um, and I wrote uh, like, the, but I didn't really write long form narratives. I tried to write mm-hmm. one fan fiction when I was in high school and I mm-hmm. like just stopped. I stopped. Oh, you wrote fan fiction? Ellen, I didn't know this. You yes, just- I did. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to definitely have to talk about that. Um, but I gave up on it, like, like not far into it. And so I always just figured I'd never finish a book. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I feel like... Um, but I, I kind of got shamed into starting, like, all my writer friends from college were, like, doing screenplays or making art, like, um, in some capacity. And they're like, so when are you going to show us some of your art? And I was like, I don't have any art. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I started writing this book. Um, and, yeah, and then I don't think I really got serious about publishing it until I was in writer groups, which I really yeah. joined because... I wanted to make friends in a new city when I moved to Austin. Yeah. Yeah. And then they um, shame you again. Really, this whole journey is fueled by people being like, people. where's your book? <laughs> yeah. And that, I, I, speaking for me, that is like the worst thing for me is like feeling pressured to do it. So I just have to, I can only pressure myself and, you know. Oh, not. really? Because I was going to say, you should just get your get yourself a friend that's going to be like... Shame you, it's, basically. It's true. Like, writers... I'll his, do it. Historically... I, I think you should. <laughs> volunteers yeah. tribute. I will Historically, tell you. for me, like, his writers' groups have been the most helpful thing. Like, I work best under deadlines. <laughs> and just yeah. saying, like, you need to have this done by this time. And... Because then it just, like, forces me. And, of course, I'm a procrastinator, so I wait till the last minute to do it. But, um... Ellen, yeah, I feel like we should put you on the Rosie Dannon writing plan. Here's how it works. You okay. get a friend that bullies you. So my writing friend, or your mom, but my <laughs> writing friend literally would make, I think we had like meetings maybe like once a week or once every other week. Yeah. And she just did not buy any of my excuses. So if I showed up and she was like, okay, how many chapters did you get through or whatever? And I was like, well, work so hard right now or like whatever. She'd be like, sure. 
and I was dead face. But you know what? It was good because I'm not really good at internal motivation. So you get yeah. yourself a deadline friend. And then the yeah. other thing you do, and this is important, is you put like $500 on uh, like I was, gonna, I did it on a conference on the RWA conference at the time. Uh, uh-huh. But I think what you could do if there's no conference is just like give your mom $500 and you don't get the money back if you don't finish your book. Okay. Um, yeah, because I'll tell you, that was also a big motivator because it's just so what I tried it for years to not have yeah. like a real external motivator and I did not finish the book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's... I know it's annoying, but if you if you get to the point where you decide that you want to get, like, force yourself to make progress at a speed that you're not currently achieving, those are my recommendations. Yeah, uh, yeah. I set, like, certain goals for myself, so, like, I'm kind of telling myself, I want to have it done by the end of the year. And, okay, yeah. And, you know, that's a reasonable amount of time, but still also pushing it a little bit. But my intention for the seg- segment was not to be about me, but... <laughs> Um, it's always about Ellen. Yeah. It always comes back to me. Um, so do you have favorite tropes or sub 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 genres that are just like your catnip, which we've kind of already talked about, but yeah, I mean, I definitely love opposites attract. Like I've definitely found that like anytime I'm reading or writing, um, romance, I'm, I'm gravitating towards that, but I, I'm a kind of like an equal opportunity trope person. I don't Mm -hmm. love a secret baby. I know that's like kind of secret babies get pooped on a lot (laughs) um, that's not my favorite that's probably one I won't pick up but uh, most of the other ones I can get behind that's what we talk like second chance is not like our favorite but there's also second chance books that I love a lot you know and so I'm I'm willing to give any and all tropes a chance just they just need to be done well they need to be well well written yeah yeah um Listener Catherine said she she said I'd love to hear about y'all's experience in book club together and if mm-hmm. book clubs have impacted you as a writer. Um, so we should say that that's how Rosie and I met is we went to a book club together in Austin and that's where we met. So it was a book club that was put together by Kathy Maxwell and Cheryl Etchison and Rosie and I. I don't, I mean, I'm going to say this nicely, but we were um, outliers age-wise. Is that fair <laughs> to say? <laughs> yeah. That's so that's, we, we kind of bonded that way uh, at the book club. And then um, also I think you and I just kind of seemed to see eye to eye on a lot of the books that we were reading. Yeah, I feel like definitely had similar reading tastes and would yes. give each other, like, recs. Um, yes. And also just had, like, kind of, like, weird overlaps because, like, you had moved to Austin not, like, too, too long and yeah. I had just moved to Austin. So we kind of had that whole thing of, like, new city, new job, like, yeah. going on. Um, but, yes, I think from a disposition standpoint, a lot of overlap as well. Yes, for sure. Um, so... With your, I mean, that's really all that we need to say. Oh, but the question also asked, like, did book club influence? Yes, your, your writing, I guess. And I think that, yeah, I think, you know, being in a book club teaches you to, like, think critically. My mom just had the biggest yawn in the whole world. <laughs> thing. Um, but being in a book club, yeah, teaches you to think critically about your responses as a reader. And it teaches yeah. you to, like, unpack a lot of the 
work that goes into making romances effective. Um, so I do think that that helps. Um, and it also, I don't know, I'm so subjective as a book club reader, which is kind of nice. It's nice to have a little mm-hmm. outlet like that where you can just uh, air all your feelings. So I, yeah, I think they're a really beneficial tool for writers. Yeah. Plus she never would have asked you to beta read her book. It's true. And not have known you. Yeah. Yeah. But that's um, why I will hype you a little. That's like why I wanted you to be an early reader is because you had like such good critical thinking about the genre and obviously we're so well versed in it. And I think when I thought about my alpha readers, I had three basically. And I had, um, you were sort of like my genre reader and like insider in that respect. I had somebody that was not a genre reader at all and was just mm-hmm. an English teacher who I knew would be a snob about it. Um, <laughs> you need and then I had sometimes. A, and then I had a romance writer who I thought would come at it a little bit more from the writer perspective at the time. So you yeah. were like, if I could think of any romance reader who I think would be great, <laughs> and that was you. Well, because I remember some meetings where Rosie and I got pretty heated about uh, – not not against each other, but maybe against, against other people. <laughs> against other people in the group. <laughs> where Jeez, it's like, I wish I was there. No, I feel very strongly <laughs> this way. Um, yeah, so, yeah, this is what I mean when I say that we, we saw eye to eye on a lot of stuff. Uh, it's true. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that was fun. Um, I actually really missed that book club, by the way. Uh, really fun. They do it virtually. We should, um, like, go to the next one. Oh, we should. That would be I fun. Go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I, and I, I said it on a previous episode, I think when we announced the book lineup and I was talking about you coming on the show, but I remember cause like you were early on in the process of writing this book and, um, and like, I feel like, uh, that book club, you know, gave me the idea for the podcast kind of. And so it's just kind of funny that now here we and are. And here we are. And you're a lot more <laughs> successful than, than we are, but... Um, excuse me, that's not accurate. <laughs> accurate. Um, a little accurate. But it's just kind of funny that, like, you know, these ideas that we kind of got around that time, and now they're full into fruition. Um, okay, so tell us about you and writing. Uh, I have down here, did you always know that you wanted to write, which you've kind of already touched on? Um, and was that a long time goal for you? And then I want to hear about this book in particular and how pitch wars played a role in this book. Yes. Um, I will amend my earlier annoying statement that I, I did, I did not always think I would be a writer necessarily. I just kind of thought that I would write things and I feel like there's a difference there. Yeah. Um, especially like writer of novels versus just writing emails any we all are writers of i kill it with i think emails, by i the think way. like <laughs> if you're into english if like english is your best subject you know even in high school it's impossible to not like entertain the idea of writing at some point right yeah i think i just always thought that it was so I had, there were so many obstacles to get over from a believability standpoint on this for me. So the first was like, how can I ever write something that long? Um, -hmm. Because like I said, I'll bail. (laughs) Um, So that was the first obstacle of like, can I even get something finished? I'm just Mm -hmm. so bad at that. And then um, 
after that, it was like, okay, but nobody's going to buy the book. And, and if somebody did buy the book, then nobody would read it. So there's just like kind of a evolving door of like disbelief. Self-doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was a part of that. But um, in terms of the journey, yeah, Pitch Wars was really impactful. Um, and I definitely want to talk about that organization. So in case anyone is not familiar, it is a like a writing mentorship program and they it's cross genre so it's not just for romance but it does have a really strong romance presence and they every year they run a cycle of it a class of it if you will and they bring together different mentors which are usually experienced authors and I think occasionally you can be like a different kind of industry professional like maybe you could be an editor um, but I think it tends to be authors and they you can apply to be a mentee which means that you have a completed manuscript um as polished as can be kind of the way you would think about querying a manuscript and as a applicant you can apply to up to four mentors or mentor teams and then each mentor or mentor team selects someone to work with for that cycle and the process is basically um and a proxy of the traditional editing process um, in traditional publishing. So you do developmental edits, you do line edits, um, you package your submission material. So you package like a query letter and a synopsis. And then there's an agent showcase at the end where a short portion, I think it's like 300 words, maybe I could be saying that wrong, um, goes up across the whole class. You're looking at like maybe 150 total. They do separate it into days because there's YA, middle grade, and adult manuscripts. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, agents can uh, request additional materials based on that showcase. So I participated in 2018 as a mentee, got my agent through that, and then I've been a mentor the past two years, so 2019, and then I'm a mentor now. And if anyone is listening, because this is going to come out on the 28th, the submission window will still be open. I think it closes on October 1st. So if you have a completed manuscript and you're interested in the program, there's still time. Do it. You can do, do it. your last ditch effort. Um, yeah, I, I just think that that is such a kind of novel, for lack of a better word, um, <laughs> way to kind of process that, you know. And there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of things like that out there that, you know, people can look into in terms of kind of more unorthodox ways of, I think especially now, like publishing has just changed so much within the past five, 10 years that um, there's a lot of different avenues you can kind of explore in terms of reaching out for agents and publishing and things like that. Um, Yeah. You would know, you would know that better than me. So. No, well, I I will say like, there's a lot of, um, like pitch contests, like it kind of depends, you should ask yourself, like, what is your goal? Because I think if your goal is just to get an agent as quickly as possible, then you would go with potentially another type of contest or spotlight than pitch wars. Because at least for me, pitch wars was very much like, you're never going to get someone for free to spend four months or more working on your manuscript with you. Like you can't get that level of feedback from just like a typical beta reader because it's not reasonable to ask someone to do that level. So for me, it was very much about, I didn't know how to really write a manuscript at that time. So I, it was very much like, I want to get better from a craft perspective. So that's really, I think, one of the core values of the program, but I could talk about that for a while. Yeah. Um, Okay, from your 
whole experience of writing this book, shopping it, being getting it published, what would be your kind of nugget of wisdom for any aspiring writers out there, me included? Oh, Rosie. boy. Um, <laughs> I mean, besides Pitch Wars, which, again, I think is, like, yeah. really if good to try for if you can. Um, uh, I mean, having a writing community is essential at every stage of the publishing process, I will say, and that can be really intimidating. Like, I came into this not knowing a lot of other writers and like there's a lot of encouragement to like meet people through the internet and like that can be tricky Mm -hmm. um but I think having people that you trust who have experiences in the industry um is essential like again at those different stages so like when you're getting your manuscript ready obviously you want to have uh like critique partners or beta readers that are going to be able to help from a craft perspective and that's something you'll do through the whole publishing journey. Like, even though I work with an editor now, I still very much utilize, like, critique partners and stuff. Um, So you'll want them at that stage. When it comes to querying an agents, you'll want people to, like, ask about... Because it's... Unfortunately, there's still so much power imbalance and kind of, like, lack of transparency in publishing. And so you want to know, like, who are trustworthy agents, what kind of questions to ask when you're going into that engagement... Um, and then once you have an agent, you can kind of communicate with your agent about different editors. But honestly, again, I think like your agent is going to be one person with one set of experiences, whereas your writing network could have more insight. Yeah. Yeah. Or diverse insight. So that's my number one piece of advice is like, even though the internet is a scary place sometimes to meet people, um, you can use, you know, like writing community hashtags, you can try different contests or programs because again there's like author men or match like there's a ton of different ones out there yeah um or maybe you find them through the podcast kind of network and things like that so but find yeah find people to kind of go through this with you yeah for sure um okay that's all I needed to bother you with um question wise (laughs) uh but yeah I just I thought that your your experience was kind of unique and interesting and I wanted I just personally wanted to hear more about it because I knew the the grand you know scope of it but not more detailed um so rosie thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us for such a long time and i just love your book and i am so like i said proud mama bear of you even (laughs) though i have no cause to be um but it's just so exciting to you know to see this all happening for you it's just kind of crazy and awesome and I'm sure you feel the same thank you thank you for having me and thank you for reading this book not once but twice um, yeah and I'm really excited for when your book is out and then we can reverse the podcast right and I get to be the host sure. for that episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you um, and your mom can talk about Ellen <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. that'll well, probably be better because I again if there, if it gets steamy I don't know if you guys can, <laughs> that'll be a whole new level I, I I could never compete with your steaminess levels I will just say that <laughs> it's so funny like people talk about it being really steamy and I'm like what are you talking about it's wholesome and then I go back and I read it and I'm like oh dear oh my <laughs> you're like I was in the mood that night apparently yeah, like, I told everyone I go into a fugue state I black out and I don't know what comes I don't know what I write that's why like when I go back and read my own writing and like I said I forget that I I'm reading something that I wrote and it's like I have like this weird out of body experience where I'm just like oh yeah I wrote this yeah you're like who I'm, did like, that laughing at my own jokes and crap like that but um 
Okay, thanks to Rosie and thanks to you so much for joining us. Again, if you would like to join us on October 5th for our discussion on You Deserve Each Other by Sarah Hogel, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever your favorite podcasts are sold for free. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at NotYourMomsRom or on Facebook or Goodreads or email us at NotYourMomsRomanceBookClub at gmail.com. Don't forget to leave a review because it helps the show and we just love reading them. All right. Thanks, Mom. You're welcome. I didn't do much. This yeah. Time. Thanks, Rosie. <laughs> Thanks, Rosie. Thank you, guys. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Not Your Mom's Romance Book Club is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts.